You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Um, So on February 27th, 1991, during the Desert Storm War, a woman named Ruth Dillow received the worst phone call of her life. Her son, Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a landmine and died. For three days, she wept. For three days, she was in deep despair. For three days, she agonized yet could find no comfort. And on the third day after receiving the terrible news, her phone rang. On the other end of the line, there was a familiar voice who said, Mom, it's me. I'm alive. At first, she thought it was a cruel joke, but as the conversation continued, she knew that it was her son. In the days to follow, she laughed and she cried and she rejoiced because the worst news ever turned out to be the best news ever. In a matter of three days, she went from feelings of hopelessness to full-fledged hopefulness. Concerning the mix-up, Lieutenant Colonel Charles E. West said, It's regrettable, but in this particular situation, I believe the good news outweighed the bad news. Church, for three days following the crucifixion of Jesus, there was weeping by those who were closest to him. For three days, there was deep despair. For three days, there were feelings of agony without comfort. However, just like Ruth Dillow, these feelings of pain were premature. Because three days after Christ's death, an angel announced some very good news through some of the most profound words in all of Scripture. Luke 24, 6. He is not here. Say it with me. He has risen. Amen? Church, the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't just very good news for the disciples. It's very good news for us today. You know, we recently wrapped up a year that was relentless in bringing us more and more bad news. Due to the pandemic, traumatic stress is at an all-time high. Natural disasters have increased. Depression and suicide rates have skyrocketed. Terrorism's on the rise. Political tensions have completely polarized our nation. Religious persecution is growing by the minute. And evil appears to be winning the day. So friends, I don't know about you, but on this Easter Sunday morning, I think it's high time we start focusing on some good news. Amen? So through our study in God's word this morning, we're going to reflect on why the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is very good news for us today, and why it should bring us hope even in these harrowing times. And in doing so, we're going to be reminded of an important truth to remember, especially when we're feeling low, and it's this, because Christ arose, believers will arise. And so with that, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have your own copy of Scripture with you this morning, on the pew in front of you, there should be a Bible, black Bible, it's page 961 in your pew Bible. And while you're turning there, I'm going to pray and ask God's blessing on our time in his word today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. God, this is the pinnacle of our faith. Your resurrection means the world to us. And so, Lord, we praise you that we could have this time together as a church body. I pray that our time in in your word would be profitable, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that, that, Lord, whatever it is you would have us get out of today, God, that we would receive it with open hearts and minds. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Savior, that they would leave here this morning knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, I commit our time to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So in today's passage of Scripture, 
we're going to find the Apostle Paul writing to believers in the city of Corinth. Now, the overall purpose of this letter was to address and correct worldliness and division and immorality that was invading the church. Likewise, as we're going to see in today's passage, he also responded to some skepticism that began to invade the church. You see, Corinth was a Greek city, and this is noteworthy, especially on Easter Sunday, because the Greeks excuse me, did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so somehow this worldly thinking began to enter into the church. Those who previously believed in Jesus Christ and his resurrection starting to question it and be led astray. And so Paul took it upon himself to correct and persuade their thinking. And so it's with this context that we're going to read verses 1 through 10, and then we'll break it down. Follow along with me in your Bibles. Chapter 15, 1 through 10. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he approached Cephas, then the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And we'll stop there. You know, one Sunday, or one day, a Sunday school teacher was asking her her class of little ones to write a one-sentence response to this question. What does Easter mean to you? The first little boy answered, well, to me, Easter means celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Very good. The second little boy said, to me, Easter means candy and baskets. To the last little boy, he said, to me, Easter means egg salad sandwiches for the next two weeks. Ain't that the truth? (sighs) Friends, we are living in a day and age where there's many different ideas about Easter, most of which have been secularized by the culture around us. However, this morning, we're going to look at what Easter means according to Scripture. And as we'll soon see, Easter, according to Scripture, means very good news for us today. And In fact, found within today's passage are four points concerning the good news. Let's begin by looking at the first, and it's the reminder of good news. The reminder. Looking at it, verses 1 and 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel or good news which I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, some of you might remember that during like the height of quarantine, uh, actor John Krasinski created a YouTube channel called Some Good News. How many of you guys uh, came across this in your, in your, during quarantine? I did. That's cool. Um, the whole <laughs> well, well, anyway, okay, fine. That's cool. But anyway, the whole premise of this channel uh, was to dedicate an entire show to sharing good news during the COVID-19 pandemic. John set out to remind his viewers to keep their heads up because there was still life-changing good news happening in the world. Well, in some ways, that's what we see the Apostle Paul doing here. You see, the Corinthian church was starting to believe lies about the resurrection. So Paul set out to remind them of the life-changing good news they once received, believed, and found their standing. 
In fact, the word stand in this passage means to establish or hold up. And so in essence, Paul was reminding the church of the gospel which continues to hold them up. And an integral part of the gospel is the resurrection. In fact, Paul later wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19, he said, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You see, church, if there's no resurrection, there is no gospel. And if there is no gospel, there is no good news. And there is no good reason to hold our heads high. Because if there's no resurrection, there's no hope of eternal life. It's been said the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of all biblical teaching regarding the future life. If Christ arose and showed himself alive to his own after his death, there is really something after this life. It's critical. You know, church, if we're just brutally honest, and I think this is an honest bunch in the room today. Well, I take that back. You guys said you didn't watch some good news, but a lot of you did. But let's just say you're an honest bunch today. If we're honest, we'd admit that similar to the Corinthian church, many of us have succumbed to the lies of the enemy over this last year. And we forgot about the gospel by which we stand. So many things going on in 2020 to drive us nuts, right? And as a result, many of us have spent a good part of this past year discouraged and frustrated and joyless, and downright angry. You see, instead of remembering the good news which holds us up, we retain the bad news which held us down. See, this is why being reminded of the good news regularly is so important. Because without the reminder, we're prone to wander. In fact, Martin Luther said, we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. Ain't that the truth? We forget it every single day. And so here in today's passage, Paul wastes no time in reminding the Corinthian church of the words that he preached to them. And he does so by returning to the central theme of the gospel. Let's look at the next point, the reason for good news. We have the reminder. Now let's look at the reason, verses 3 through 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You know, a few weeks ago, my wife went to the post office to send out a package using priority mail. I'll save you the time. Don't. The idea behind priority mail is that you pay a little extra to guarantee that your package will be delivered quickly and at just the right time, right? Well, after paying for two days shipping, she received word that the package wouldn't arrive for almost a week. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Isn't that kind of the purpose of priority mail? You pay to prioritize it, to get it there when you want it there? Or am I crazy? I'm crazy. Cool. (laughs) Wasn't the first time I'd ever be accused of being crazy. You see, when priority mail works the way it should, the message is prioritized and it's delivered when it's supposed to be delivered because the contents are time-sensitive and important. In this case, perishable. Well, here we see that Paul's message was time-sensitive and a matter of first importance. 
In other words, it was critical and needed to be received immediately. And the first part of his three-part message in these few verses is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. You know, church, this might be hard to believe given the current hysteria over the coronavirus, but did you know that COVID-19 is not the worst virus to ever hit humanity? Yes, it's bad. And yes, it should be taken seriously. But the worst virus that has ever hit humanity, the virus that has a 100% kill rate, the virus that has infected every single person who has ever lived, will ever live, or is currently living, is the virus of sin. We're all infected with it. And it's the reason why Jesus had to die. You see, the Bible teaches that the human heart is infected with sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately what? Sick. Who can understand it? And no matter how hard we try, we have absolutely no power to rid ourselves of the infection. You know, a very common and, and very fatal misconception is that when we die and we stand before God, if our good somehow outweighs our bad, then God will let us into heaven. It's like the standard is Hitler, right? As long as we're not as bad as Hitler, we're in good shape. But friends, this couldn't be further from the truth. Isaiah 64 verses 5 through 6 says, We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. You see, no matter how good we might be, even on our best days, it, can still, it still can't take away the spiritual disease that separates us from God. Therefore, we need a spiritual vaccine, if you will, that will save us from the devastating results of this disease. And what are those results? It's dying in our sins and spending eternity in hell. And friends, the good news, because we're focusing on good news today, is that God provided exactly what's needed to save us. Exactly what's needed. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You see, according to God's righteous standard, blood needed to be spilt for forgiveness to happen. Someone needed to die, and that someone needed to be sinless, and since none of us are sinless, last time I checked, God, in his deep love and affection for you and me, sent his son, Jesus, lived a perfect life, sinless, and died on our behalf. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you and I safely home to God. I love how that's written, the New Living Translation. Bring us safely home to God. Now, not only did he die, but just like any funeral, Paul reminds us that following Christ's death, he was buried. You know, many have tried to discount the death and burial of Jesus. Many people have argued that his burial was bogus or a hoax. And one theory is called the swoon theory. It's a belief that Jesus didn't die at his crucifixion, but was merely unconscious when he was laid in the tomb and he was somehow resuscitated. Responding to this ridiculous claim, theologian J. Vernon McGee said, beat a man with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days, then see what happens. 
Friends, the fact remains that Jesus died and was buried. And this is an important argument that Paul needed to reinforce, especially given the original audience. Remember, the Greeks didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and their beliefs were starting to infiltrate the church. So by making this point, Paul was reinforcing that Jesus had indeed died. However, if the story of Jesus ended there, if he remained in the grave, then his death was essentially meaningless, which would make his life and teachings meaningless, which would make our hope of salvation meaningless. On the other hand, you ready for this? On the other hand, if Jesus rose from the grave, it's game over. It's game over. Tim Keller said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all he has. You have to accept it. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything uh, of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching. You have to like his teaching. But whether or not he rose from the dead. If he rose, game over. You have to accept what he said. And so this is why Paul spent the rest of this chapter, we're only looking up to verse 10 today, but this is why he spent the rest of the chapter defending the resurrection. And he begins defending it in verse 4. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, the skeptic might say, well, how do you know? How can you prove that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, to be quite honest, there's plenty of sacred and secular work out there that provides some pretty convincing evidence. Can't get into all that today. But here in today's passage alone, Paul makes a pretty good case. And this leads us to the third point, the recipients of the good news. Again, at verses 5 through 8. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. One day, a devious young man went to his boss and asked for the day off, saying he needed to attend his grandmother's funeral. His boss said, sure, anything you need. The next day, the young man was talking to his boss, and his boss said, do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? The young man said, no, I don't. Well, that's interesting, replied the boss, because after you left work yesterday, your grandmother stopped by to see you. Someone getting fired, right? Well, here we learn that following the resurrection, Jesus stopped by, if you will, to see hundreds, hundreds of people, including Paul himself. And this list of eyewitnesses was by no means exhaustive. But it's interesting, you know, in a typical court of law, defendants are declared innocent having far less eyewitnesses than Jesus did for his resurrection. And their verdicts are rarely, if ever, questioned. Investigative journalist Lee Strobel said, I went to a psychologist friend and I said, if 500 people claim to see Jesus after he died, it was just a hallucination. He said, hallucinations are an individual event. If 500 people have the same hallucination, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection. Church, all this to say, based upon the massive number of eyewitnesses alone, we can have the utmost confidence that Jesus rose from the grave. And his resurrection guarantees that one day those who believe in Jesus will also rise and live forever. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a what? Read this. 
living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And this leads us to the final point in today's passage, the results of the good news. The results. Look at verses 9 through 10. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And let's read this one together. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. How true is that? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. In 2010, a movie came out called The Blind Side. How many of y'all see The Blind Side? That's right. Get your hands up in the air. It chronicles a Christian family who took in a homeless young man and gave him a chance to reach his God-given potential. Michael Orr not only dodged the hopelessness of his dysfunctional inner-city upbringing, but he became the first-round NFL draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens in 2009. And at a fundraiser, uh, Sean Tuohy, Michael's father through adoption, noted that the transformation of his family and Michael all started with two words. You see, when they spotted Michael walking along the road on a cold November morning in shorts and a t-shirt, his wife Leanne told Sean, turn around, turn around. They turned the car around, they put Michael in their warm vehicle and ultimately adopted them into their family. In church, it's interesting because these same two words can change anyone's life today. When we choose to turn around, We're choosing to change directions and begin an exciting new journey. You see, not only does belief in Jesus turn the course of our eternal life, which is awesome, but it also turns the course of our earthly life as well. You see, before Paul came to faith in Christ, he breathed threats against Christians. He was a murderer of Christians. However, while on the road to Damascus... He was on his way to persecute God's people. He encountered Jesus and everything changed. He turned around and went from being an enemy of the church to an apostle of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You see, and therein lies the beauty of the gospel. The grace of God can take even the worst of sinners, the worst of the worst, and make them saints. That's grace. That's good news. In fact, the apostle Paul uh, later wrote in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, it says, here's a trustworthy, you want, you want a trustworthy saying? Who wants a trustworthy saying this morning? Say, I do. All right, here we go. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Why? But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Church, there is an important lesson to be learned here. No one, no one is outside of the reach of God. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. It doesn't even matter if you've hit rock bottom because what you're going to find is Jesus is the rock at the bottom and he's willing to forgive you of all your sins and give you the gift of eternal life and change the course of your earthly life. That's just what Jesus does and he does it really well. 
Church, when we remember what Jesus saved us from and what he saved us for, that's good news that far outweighs the bad news. When we remember that God is still in the business of forgiving sins and changing lives, that's good news that far outweighs the bad news. When we remember that God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that's good news that outweighs the bad news. When we remember that Jesus rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of God today, that is good news that far outweighs the bad news. And so I don't know about you, but on this Easter Sunday morning, I think we ought to celebrate the good news this morning. Amen? And when the bad news gets you down, because it will. It will. Because I'm going to give you a little hint. Back when I was in... uh, in college, like forever ago, uh, I had gone to school for communications, and one of the things I learned, a little trick of the trade, is that um, in TV world, bad news sells. You want to sell newspapers? Bad news. That's what the newsies are all about, right? So here's the deal. When you turn on the TV, I don't care what channel you watch, they're all nonsense, but when you turn the TV on and you go to watch the news... They're going to say things that are going to trigger you. They're going to give you headlines that are bad, make you, make you afraid. That's a big one, fear, huge deal, make you afraid. And when you consume yourselves with the news, the 24-hour news cycle, maybe once in a blue moon, the last minute of an hour show, they might tell you that a cat got saved out of a tree. But other than that, it's just nonsense, 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 nonsense. And we are what we eat. And that, is, that also includes what we feed to our brains, right? We feed our, our brains bad, we're going to feel bad, right? So all this to say, the bad news is going to bring you down. When it does, remember this. Because Christ arose, believers will arise. This is not the end, friends. This is only the beginning. And things might get bad before they get better, but they will get better. Billy Graham said, I read the end of the book. Everything's going to turn out okay. And so because of this reality, I'd like to close with the pointed words of Christ. Because he asked a very personal question that we all must personally answer, and it comes from John 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. And he asks a simple question, do you believe this? Friends, on this Easter Sunday morning, I want you to be sure that you're saved. I want you to be sure that your sins are forgiven. I want you to be sure that you're going to rise and go to heaven when you die. I want to see you start a new life with Christ. Because, you see, there's only, this is only good news if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, this is not good news. Everything I'm sharing with you is actually pretty bad news. But at the moment of belief, it becomes good news for you. And so if you're here this morning, and you want to start a new life with Christ, you want him to change the course of your eternal life, you want to be sure that you're going to spend eternity with him, and you know what? You believe that he has the power to change your earthly life as well. I want to invite you to ask God to save you this morning. And you could do so simply by praying. 
In fact, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and we're going to pray. This will be my closing prayer. And if you feel like you just need to pray this along with me, you could do so silently in your seat. And there's nothing about this prayer that's necessarily going to save you per se. It's what you're saying in the prayer. It's what you mean from your heart. So if you need to just get right with Jesus, I encourage you to pray this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him this morning as my savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. I want to celebrate the good news that could only come from being a believer in Jesus. And I pray that you would guide my life and help me to do your will. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if, if you prayed to, to, to believe in Jesus, if, if you've placed your faith in Christ this morning, I want to tell you something. You get to leave here celebrating good news, no matter how bad things get out there. And, and if that's you this morning, and you're like, okay, now what? Now what? What do I do next? Well, I mean, church is good. Good to have you here. Come back. You'll learn. Um, I, I do, I do want to mention that up front here, I've got, I've got these books. I've got about 10 of them. It, it's called Growing in Christ. And, and really, it's just a book that I would give to you that just says, hey, you can check this out. It kind of gives you some information on how to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And here's the deal. Uh, when, when we're going to close with some songs and and when we're done, I'll kind of hang out up front. Uh, if you wanted to come up and grab a book, I'm not going to make it awkward for you. I'm not going to ask you a thousand questions. I'm not going to grill you on anything. I might ask your name, where you're from. That's about it. I'll give you the book, and off you go. Uh, but I want to encourage you this morning, if you've prayed to receive Christ and you want to know what's next, come grab a book. Uh, I'll be up here. I'd love to just say hello and meet you. And, that would be, and I won't even shake your hand because of COVID and whatever. I'll just kind of like, you know, give you an air high five. Is that cool? Air high five. All right, I'm going to invite the praise team forward, and, and, and let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the good news that we get to celebrate on this Easter Sunday morning. God, I praise you that, oh, Lord, because of the resurrection, God, we could live with joy even when, when the world seems to be following around, falling, around, falling down around us. Lord, true peace is not the absence of a storm. It's, it's just a calm assurance during the storm. And that peace can only come when we have peace with you. So again, Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here that needs to, to, to have that peace with the Lord that, that maybe has not yet received Christ but needs to receive him even now, that they would as we close things out. And Lord Jesus, as we continue to celebrate your resurrection as we close in song, be honored, be glorified. Thank you so much for this morning. We love you and all God's people said. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.